This week's Parsha, which Dylan and Natalie will beautifully chant for us tomorrow morning, is Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, which, like all Parashot in Genesis, is incredibly rich in its teachings and In services tonight, instead of just one longer teaching, like rabbis usually give, I will be teaching snippets of wisdom from our parasha interwoven with our liturgy, as there's so much in Chaya Sara that I believe merits our attention and thought this Shabbat. To begin, even though this Torah portion is titled Chaya Sara, the life of Sarah, in its very first line, we learn of Sarah's death and are given the opportunity to witness Abraham's actions as a widow and a mourner. As we have witnessed over the last few weeks in our Torah, at God's request, Abraham has left his native homeland and is in the midst of his divinely ordained journey to the Holy Land. Because of this, Abraham is in a foreign land when his wife Sarah's death takes place. Despite being in a place where he does not have roots, the first thing that Abraham does as a mourner is attempt to purchase a plot of land for Sarah's burial. When approaching the Hittites to make this land purchase, Abraham identifies himself in a really peculiar way. Ger vitoshav ani imachem. I am a resident foreigner living with a time, for a time among you. While ger translates as a foreigner or a stranger, toshav connotes connection and roots, roughly as a neighbor or one who dwells among you. To both the student of Torah and the student of English, this turn of phrase, ger v'toshav, piques interest and draws attention. It is an example of an oxymoron, a delightful and often poignant turn of phrase in any language that brings together two opposite terms like sweet sorrow, recorded live, act naturally, good grief, or passive aggressive, that because of the opposite meaning of the two words, adds new layers of meaning. As Rabbi Dan Moskovitz points out, the phrase Gervatoshav, about the phrase Gervatoshav, oxymorons challenge us to see compatibility, even harmony, in seemingly opposite things. I believe this self identifying frame, Gervatoshav, resident foreigner, speaks to Abraham's commitment to Hachnasat Orchim, the value of being welcoming to others. We saw Abraham's commitment to this value earlier in the Torah when he welcomed the traveling angels to his dwelling. Now we see that even more when he is himself a widow in mourning for his wife, far from his homeland and amongst strangers, he still identifies himself as a Toshav, their neighbor. By identifying himself in this way, Abraham shows that he believes at his core that as a fellow human being, he is connected to all those he is surrounded by, no matter where he finds himself. As we welcome in the spirit of Shabbat and the Shabbat angels this evening with Lachadudi and Shalom Alechem, I hope that we will all take a moment to reflect on Abraham's commitment to com welcoming and being connected to others and how we can incorporate it into our lives. The first action that Abraham takes after his wife Sarah dies is purchasing a plot of land, in this case, the cave of Machpelah for his wife's burial. This purchase of the cave of Machpelah is evidently a very significant event because it is recorded in great detail, not only in this Torah portion, but three more times throughout the book of Genesis. Throughout the story of Abraham and Sarah, God promises them two things, children and land. 
The promise of land is repeated no less than seven times. Earlier in the Torah, we saw that God fulfilled God's promise to grant Abraham and Sarah children with the birth of Isaac. But until this parsha, Abraham had not any land to his name. It was not until this incident, when Abraham purchased the land himself, that God's promise became true. As Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs teaches, there's an important lesson for all of us in this incident. God promises, but we have to act. God promised Abraham the land, but he had to buy the first field. Despite all of the promises, God does not and will not do it alone. God gives us as human beings responsibility, and only by exercising it do we reach our full status as partners with God. God saved Noah from the flood, but Noah had to build the ark. He gave the land of Israel to, to the people Israel, but they had to fight the battles. God gives us the strength to act, but we have to do our own deeds. What changes the world, what fulfills our destiny, is not what God does for us, but what we do for God and for ourselves. We are about to pray the Micha Mocha, which Midrash teaches us were the words of Nachshon, another Jew whose action helped God's promises come to be. After fleeing Egypt, the Israelites found themselves trapped on the banks of the Red Sea, with the Egyptians close behind them in pursuit. Midrash teaches us that it was not until Nachshon bravely jumped into the water and physically took action while reciting the words of this prayer that the Red Sea magically parted, enabling God's promise of freedom to come to fruition. Despite being siblings often mentioned together today in one breath, Isaac and Ishmael actually only appear in this week's Torah portion one time together when they reunite in Hebron to bury their father, Abraham, after his death, which also takes place in this week's Torah portion. It's a stunning line of Torah. And they buried Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael, his sons, in the cave of Machpelah. When we last saw Isaac and Ishmael with Abraham, he came very close to killing both of them, Ishmael through abandonment, and Isaac through near sacrifice. It's easy to imagine that the two siblings would want nothing to do with each other or their father, given these circumstances. And yet, despite their differing realities and opinions, when a serious situation arose that required both of them to rise above their differences, they did. And they were able to come together peacefully to perform their last duty as Abraham's sons. As we celebrate Shabbat together and sing Vishamru on page 44, it is my hope that we can all learn from Isaac and Ishmael's actions in this week's Torah portion and reflect on the ways that we too can bring about peace with our actions. Hapax legomena are words or forms of words that occur only one time. There are 1,500 loan words in the Old Testament, but there are only 400 that are truly hapax legomena, where there are absolutely no other uses of this word anywhere else in Jewish text. One of these instances occurs in Chayesara. Toward the end of our parsha, we witness Isaac and Rebekah, the future spouses, meet for the very first time. Earlier in the narrative, Abraham had sent his servant out to find a suitable wife for Isaac 
And after witnessing Rebekah's kindness towards others, the servant brought her back with him to meet Isaac. Rebekah sees Isaac for the first time while he is out in a field doing something that is described by a hapax legomena. Genesis 24:60 states, And Isaac went out lasuach in the field towards evening. The phrase lasuach can be translated in many ways. Commentators describe it as anywhere from walking, to praying, to meditating, to conversing directly with God. While it is not entirely clear what it was that Isaac was doing, it is evident that there was holiness and intention in his action. It was this action that impressed Rebecca so much that he, she instantly knew she wanted to marry Isaac. And more significantly, the rabbis identify Isaac's lasuaching in the field as the origin of the afternoon prayer service, which centers around the Amidah that we are about to pray together. It is clear that Isaac's action was imbued with meaning and that it was a way for him in his own unique way to connect directly with God, just as we each strive to every time we pray. Inspired by Isaac's lasuach in the field, please rise and join with us for the Amidah on page 46. As I mentioned earlier, this week's parsha, Chai Sarah, opens with Sarah's death. Genesis 23 begins with the words, Sarah's lifetime, the span of Sarah's life came to 127 years. While the Torah focuses on the logistics of the next steps of her burial, commentaries on this section of reflect on Sarah's life and her legacy. As Rabbi Julie Bressler commented, Sarah's legacy is complicated and significant. She is remembered as a hospitable and welcoming presence who served as Abraham's right hand in moments big and small, and also remembered as the jealous wife and mother who banished Hagar and Ishmael. She has her own character in a time when many women disappeared into the background. She is remembered as a complex and nuanced person, and in her death, we elevate those characteristics we most want to and also need to remember the others at the top of our minds. This evening, as our time of praying together winds down and we near the end of our service, I invite us to take a few moments to reflect on the legacies that we weave for ourselves and for others. The poet Zelda beautifully illustrates the complexity of legacy of life in her poem, Each of Us Has a Name. Each of us has a name given to us by God given to us by our father and mother. Each of us has a name given to us by our stature and our way of smiling and given to us by our clothes. Each of us has a name given to us by the mountains and given, us, given to us by our walls. Each of us has a name given to us by the planets and given to us by our neighbors. Each of us has a name given to us by our sins and given to us by our longings. Each of us has a name given to us by our enemies and given to us by our love. Each of us has a name given to us by our fast days and given to us by our craft. Each of us has a name given to us by the seasons of the year 
and given to us by our blindness. Each of us has a name, given to us by the sea, and given to us by our death. This week, this past Wednesday, marked three years since the tragedy of the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Before Kaddish this evening, I want to share a poem with you written by Rabbi Jen Gubitz commemorating this yard site. Kaddish for the Tree of Life tragedy in Pittsburgh. When we say Kaddish, it is as if a cascade, a small waterfall of words, begins to trickle from our mouths. Yitgadal, you are magnified. We begin our voices soft. Vayit Kadash, you are sanctified. More voices join in holy words. Shemei Rabbah, our voices gain strength. When we say Kaddish, as if a cascading waterfall of words, our voices join together, trickling, then flowing, and then a deluge. As our hearts join together and the flood of emotion, unspoken grief, fear, anger, guilt, why, how, never again, pour out from our souls, cascading over the steep rocky slopes of being human. But water always finds water. Droplets of love always find other droplets of love. Puddles of grief always, we pray, find ripples of hope. And so now we join our hopes, our faith, our words, our tears, our hearts, our prayers, cascading like whispers as we begin, raising our voices louder and louder together until Oseh Shalom, the one who makes peace, which right now is as if but a trickle, Yehu Yaseh Shalom, louder and louder again, yes you, Yes, you, the one who makes peace. In a deluge of voices we demand, flood our world, God. Help us flood our world with nourishing waters of justice, compassion, and love. With love, we remember the 11 victims of this unspeakable tragedy. Joyce Feinberg, 75, of Oakland. Richard Gottfried, 65, of Roth. Ross Ma Rose Mallinger, 97, of Squirrel Hill. Jerry Rabinowitz, 66, of Edgewood. Brothers Cecil Rosenthal, 59, of Squirrel Hill, and David Rosenthal, 54, of Squirrel Hill. Married couple Bernice Simon, 84, of Wilkinsburg. Sylvan Simon, 86, of Wilkinsburg. Daniel Stein, 71, of Squirrel Hill. Melvin Wax, 88, of Squirrel Hill, and Irving Younger, 69, of Mount Washington. Yikadal v'yikadash, may their memories always be a blessing. <laughs> 